I think that was worth coming to church for. Said it, yeah, <laughs> said it before. Tiny person, big voice. I don't know how she does that. Um, it's, it's a beautiful song about the nature of our hope. It reminds me of a story. There, there was a school system in a, in a large city. They had a program when, when kids would end up in the hospital. They had uh, teachers that it was their job to go and to, to meet with those kids in the hospital to make sure they got caught up on school. And so one of those teachers uh, had just a routine assignment to go and see a boy in the hospital room. And she went and visited uh, his teacher before she went to see him. And the teacher said, yeah, he's, uh, we're learning nouns and adverbs, so if you get him caught up on that, that would be great. We don't want him to fall behind. And so she got that. She went up to the boy's room, but, but uh, no one had warned her that the boy had been in a, a horrific accident. He was horribly burned and uh, was really in, in a great deal of pain. And uh, so she was sort of shocked by his appearance, and she stammered and, and said, I'm, I'm here to help you uh, with nouns and adverbs. And so they went through that, her trying to help him, but she really left feeling like maybe I, I didn't do anything at all. I was just so kind of caught off guard by it. She came back the next day, and uh, she was headed to the same boy's room, and uh, one of the nurses came up to her, and the nurse said, hey, um, what did you do to that boy? And she, she, she thought she must have done something wrong. And so she started to apologize. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And the nurse said, no, no, you don't understand what, what I mean. Uh, she said, um, we, we've been worried about that, that little boy. And he, he wasn't doing well. And he wasn't progressing as we'd hoped. And we weren't sure if he was going to make it. But ever since yesterday, his whole attitude changed. It's like he's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained to all of them the change. He said that he had completely given up hope until that teacher arrived. And everything changed when he came to one simple realization, and it was this. They would not send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a boy who is dying. He in that had found hope. He found a future. That, friends, is always what God wants us to find. Among the many things that we can lose in this life, be it our keys or our phones or our marbles, hope is perhaps the most adept at slipping away. And it's the most damaging when it's gone. And, and and if there is a time when having hope seems rare, when it seems fragile, when it seems complicated, it is the time right now that we live in. Yet God offers to bring us out of this despair that all of us can so easily slip into and to offer a hope that rises above the ocean of confusion that we are surrounded by. It's a living hope. And it's that living hope that we continue to talk about today as we explore the true origins of a hope found. And here's the first thing I'll point out. Our living hope is found in the person of Christ. We're gonna continue in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, starting verse 3. Let's read it together. Big voices go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into a new inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Thank you for reading, by the way. I know it's tough in the mask, and I can barely hear you, but I know you're there, so that was good. Um, We see right here, we see in the richness of this passage, it's describing this idea of a birth into a living hope into an inheritance that can never diminish, that can never disappoint, that can never disappear. That's a wonderful thing, right? But what's unique is it's describing this birth into a person, a rebirth into the life of Christ. I don't know if if you've been around births before in your life. I've been around two. Well, I guess I was around for my own, but I don't remember that one. But I've been around two, my two sons' births, and they're both very different. Uh, The first one, Paula tried to go through the whole thing without um, medication, uh, which I was impressed. Uh, evidently, they told us that was a good thing. And, but she, got, she made 23 hours of labor with no medication. Then she stalled in birth. And so she got tired. And so they said, well, let's give her an epidural. And so it was a, a late epidural. So when Ethan came out, he wasn't crying. He was just like, hey. That was, that was either hey. And the sunglasses were a nice touch, too. It was amazing. I don't know how he got those on. So that was his experience. So we had that together. And so when it, when it came time for Isaac to be born, we did it differently. Like she got in there the minute she checked in, she's like, I want the epidural right now. And I'm like, I want one too. Epidurals all around. Everybody gets one. That's how we did it. And it was just better for us. And, and it was a different experience. But even with all of that, birth is a struggle. There's pain in it, and there's uncertainty in it, and there's concern in it because life and death literally hang in the balance. But it's also there in that birthing process that we witness this unsurpassed beauty, don't we? And we, we, we realize that there's this promised rest on the other side. If we can get through this, we will rest. That's what it was for us. That's why this idea of birth is the perfect illustration for our hope, because hope often comes through pain. And this hope is different than any other because this hope is not found in an event, it's not found in our effort, it is found in the person of Jesus. A person who promises to be closer than a brother, a person who will never change. And I think we need a person like that in these times. So we see this challenging process of labor with all of its struggle and strife. It's leading us to be born again into a hope that's found in the living Christ, which means this. Because our hope is found in a person, our hope must become personal. What we have to remember is this. While Jesus offers eternal life to the whole world, it must be received by an individual. A person saying, I want that life from you, God. I want that relationship for myself. I say that to Jesus. I think it is so surprising and sad to me that Jesus says, come to me, everybody who labors, and I will give you rest. Yet many of us just keep saying to him, that's okay, I'll just keep laboring. I know you offer that, but I'm just gonna keep worrying. I'm just gonna keep trying to do this on my own. No wonder you're tired. No wonder you want to give up. Yet Jesus invites us to a single action in a very complicated world. He says, come to me. 
get close to me. That's it. Let this relationship define all that you are and direct all that you do. It's personal. And it has to be personal. Because we are not born into this. It is not some benefit of American citizenship. It is not breathed into us like a virus. It is a choice. Knowing that Jesus wants to be close to me, will I decide to draw close to him? Our living hope is found in the person of Christ. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Our living hope is found in the promise of Christ. Let's continue the passage, 1 Peter 1, verse 4. Go, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There's some amazing promises being talked about here. The first being this inheritance of eternal life with Christ. It's being kept for you, is what it says. It's, it's being put away for you. It's like it's on layaway for you, for those that remember layaway. Maybe Maybe a better illustration would be this. It's like it's in our Amazon cart, and it's ours, but it hasn't arrived yet. It's not yet at our door. It's been paid for. We know it's not on back order. We know it's coming, and it will be ours to hold one day. That's what it's saying. And then it says, this inheritance is being kept for those who faith are shielded by God's power until he comes. Now that is some promise. It's really the promise we, we sing about in the song we've been doing recently in worship, the song called My Testimony. There's a line in it and it says, if, if I'm not dead, God's not done. That's really what this is talking about. Somehow I'm still here. That means God still has a plan for me. That right here in the midst of our world that is consumed with fear and consumed with uncertainty, and it's grasping its straws to try to unravel all of these mysteries ahead. Right there, we can cling to a promise. And it's as long as I'm still here, God, you still have a plan for me. You're not done yet. You know, I even noticed it with our, our mysterious drive-by blessers. I've told you about this through COVID. There, there was some folks, we still don't know who they are, that would, would do drive-by blessings. They like teepeed our house with teepee we could use, and then they gave us candy on our lawn, and then it, it went on. They gave us toys at one point, Legos and stuff, and a, a little uh, pretend pony that's now in my, my office because it was part of one of the messages. They even gave us gift cards through the mail because we got onto them. We almost caught them, and so they started sending us stuff, stuff through the mail. So it's been amazing. I still don't know who you are. You may be watching this online. Uh, thank you for that. That's been totally cool. It's been such a blessing because all of that time in the midst of that, it was this, this bastion of hope and joy for us. That amidst this circumstance that didn't feel very hopeful, it, it brought life to us. See, I, I think we all recognize the fear that this virus wants to bring to our lives because no one really has all the answers. It's never been seen before. That's why they call it novel. It means it's new. And so we all take steps and we're cautious and, and we do the different things and all of that is good. But the downside of that is we could easily begin to believe 
that my fate is entirely dependent on that mask or on that environment or on that disinfectant where the truth for every person is that our fate is ultimately found in the hands of God. Psalm 139, 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows the number of my days. He knows the number of your days. Now that doesn't mean we act unwisely and we do silly stuff, we just throw ourselves off a cliff. Well, if it's not my day, I'll be fine. No, of course not. Satan tempted Jesus with that exact thing. And what did Jesus say? No way. So if Jesus wouldn't do it, I don't think we should do it. That's WWJND. What would Jesus not do? It's that. Don't do that. Because even if it's not your day to die, when you wake up from that, you'll still be stupid. (laughs) So we must still live wisely, but here's the thing, we don't have to live in fear. Our world wants us to be so worried about dying that we forget what it is to live, to be alive in Christ that we deny all the beautiful things that God has put in place that connect us and inspire us and remind us of him. That's what we must not lose in this. We must not allow the uncertainty of our circumstance to drive us to an uncertainty in our God. We can't let that happen. He is still on the throne. And his promise to us is that he will shield us in his power, protect us. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean he protects us from all suffering. It doesn't mean he protects us from pain. But it's a shielding of God's power to actually get us to God's promise for us. That is where we put our hope. That in love, we take precautions, we respond to medical wisdom, but we reserve our trust for the one who never breaks a promise, who never misses a diagnosis, and who never changes his recommendations. The one who knew our days before we lived out our first one. His name is Jesus. You know, um, growing up, we would take these, once a year, we would take these yearly bike rides. We'd do it with a, a family friends of ours. Every year we went on this bike ride. It was usually to Smith Rocks. It was in the middle of the summer because I grew up in Redmond, so we'd take this, this bike trip to Smith Rocks. Now, that was back, we didn't have 10 speeds. It was just single gear bikes. You know, we didn't have nice bikes. Um, it was always the middle of summer, usually July. So it's like 120 degrees. I don't know. It felt like it was. Um, back then, we didn't believe in water. You just didn't do that. That wasn't a thing. Um, and so, and you're wearing shorts, like tiny little shorts, but you also, so you think that would make you cool, but you also had tube socks that went up to your knees, you know, and so you were warm. It was hot riding that way, and so that was how we would do it, and we'd have to, part of the journey was always on the highway, on Highway 97, and so, so there'd be like cattle trucks going by you while you're on that road. If you've never had a cattle truck in the summer go by you on a bike, that is an experience in itself. That's like, wow, it's an experience. You'll remember that one. But we did it, and I would do it every summer, and I would be excited about doing it for one reason, because at the end of that trip, there was huckleberry ice cream at this market by Smith Rocks. 
Now, if you have not yet figured it out about me, I will do anything for ice cream, anything. And I would say I'll do anything in the realm of legality, but I'm not even sure that's true. I think I might just, just break laws for it. You know, I just love ice cream. And that promise for me was powerful enough to allow me to endure pain, to allow me to endure discomfort, to allow me to, to go up against danger because I knew what was waiting on the other side. Gang, when you boil it down, Christ followers are a people of the promise. And God's promise is that if we will lean on him, he will get us where we need to go. We won't miss it because he wants us there even more than we want to be there. So that's where we get to place our hope. Our living hope is found in the promise of Christ. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Our living hope is found in the process of Christ. Let's finish this part of the passage. First Peter, starting one, starting verse six, big voices go. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are well, filled, I think. I'm not even sure what that word is. It's a classic Greek word right there. Oh, yeah, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you for reading. <laughs> It says something interesting. It says um, that we might suffer grief and many kinds of trials. That's encouraging, isn't it? Let's just walk out with that one. That's fun. Yet we see this here. Those trials are intended to produce something. It's this process. It's, it's God's way of changing us. Now, I think for many of us, when it comes to change, we like this idea of translation, meaning I immediately move from A to B, just poof, I'm there. It's, it's the Cinderella, it's bippity boppity boo, and poof, you're there, you're ready for the ball. No, no transform, no, no process, you're just poof, you're ready, just immediately. Um, but, but God often doesn't use translation like that. Now, he does do that a few times in Scripture. He just poof people from one place to another. But that's not often what God does. More often in Scripture, we see God, instead of using translation, we see him use transformation. We see a process that God invites us to. That God's saying, yeah, I will get you from A to Z, but there are some letters in between that we have to hit first. And it's often those letters in between that trip us up. Like, here's an example, like anyone, uh, I love presents, I, I love thoughtful gifts, I like it uh, when folks bring me new things to add to my life, but upon receiving that new item, there are three words that, that can really give me great pause if I receive a gift and consider even maybe sending that item back, and that, let me tell you what those three words are, some assembly required. Those are frightening words to me. Uh, that's not good. And when I see that, I was, where I was before excited about this gift, I'm now scared. 
But here's the thing, folks. All of our lives come with a label that says some assembly required. Whatever we are supposed to be, there is likely a process to get there. And like me, we could reject that process or fear the process or be confused by the process. Or we could open up the directions that were written by the one who made us and we could start with figure one, letter A, begin. God's word to us. Discovering our purpose one step of obedience at a time. And it's that process that ultimately reveals who we are. As we said last week, in Jesus we have a living hope that rewrites and redefines our identity by rewriting and redefining our past, present, and future. That rewriting is a process. It's revealing lies and it's replacing them with truth. I can't tell you how many times I've had to assemble something, one of those things, and I've gotten to the end only to realize I skipped this really important step and I have to undo the whole thing back to the beginning and do it all over again. Welcome to the process of discipleship. Tearing down strongholds, replacing them with foundations of truth. It's messy. It takes longer than we think it should, and there are days when we really just wish we could fast forward the whole thing. Can I get to the end? But God builds us through a process. That's the imagery here of gold being refined, that it's heated up to nearly 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit to boil out the impurities until the dross, the, the impurities are scraped off until the master of the forge can see his face reflected in that metal. And God says, I want to do the same with your life. This is how he makes us who we are supposed to be. And guess what? We can trust him to finish what he started because our living hope is found in the process of Christ. I'll wrap up with this. There was a man, he was out for a walk and he saw a little league baseball game taking place so he went over, watched for a little while and, and wanted to know what was happening in the game so he saw a young, young boy sitting there in the dugout. He said, hey, how's, how's the game going? What's the score? Little boy turned to him and said, oh, it's 18 nothing, we're behind. And the man said, wow, that's, that's a bummer. Boy, that's, that's a lot of scoring there. He said, you, you must be kind of disappointed how the game's going, huh? And the boy turned and looked at him and said, hey, we haven't even been up to bat yet. <laughs> See, it might be easy to feel a bit discouraged these days. But the promise of Scripture is no matter how dark it is, we can always experience his light. And God still has some times at bat left for us. There's some chances still to see things change. And it comes through a person, it comes through the promise and the process of Christ. So let's get close to him. You may feel a little bit like you're that gold being refined. Perhaps you're even wondering to yourself, will this heat be too much for me? My encouragement, let the heat make you better. Let it draw you closer to Jesus. Let it reveal those areas that need work. 
that you too could reflect the master to a world that has lost sight of what God looks like. That is the hope of what Christ can do. That is a living hope. So let that living hope live in you. Let's pray together. I think our prayer today uh, and the ministry that Jesus wants to do would be for anybody here today or anyone online who would say, you know, I do want to find my living hope in Jesus today. Maybe for the first time or maybe just in a new way today, but I'm just coming to him and say, I'm, I'm here, I'm drawing close to you, even in the midst of the process, even in the midst of the fire, I'm here to say yes to that to draw near and to place all of my hope in you. And if that's you in this place and you want to say that to Jesus, I'm here to put my hope in you. I just invite you to raise your hand all over this place. I'm here to put my hope in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands all over this place. So, Jesus, we come and uh, we first thank you for every part of our lives because you, you want to use every part of it to, to bring us closer to you. So even in the midst of the fires, even in the midst of the challenges, even in the midst of the suffering and the trials that we might experience, we're here to draw near to you, to experience your living hope in us. And even as it is a, almost like a birthing process, a new birthing process, and in there there's pain and there's, there's fear and there's, there's uncertainty, but we're trusting you for the promise, the promise of peace on the other side, the promise of rest in you and the promise of life. So I pray that we would experience that in a new way even today by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for bringing freedom and life to us today. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.